0: start something we're going to make sure that we have some type of testimony every time we're together because revelations 12 says that it's by our testimony that we overcome the enemy and we intend to be a a community that overcomes the enemy that's going to be part of our reputation so tonight we're going to have christian scoggins come up so christian if you'll come real quickly um he has a testimony about physical healing that he's going to share with you tonight
1: guys. So, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Christian. I've been raised a Christian my entire life. My I was just raised that way. Family, devout Christians. But about 1 month before my 16th birthday, everything I knew in my life was going to change. And it's one of those things. You know how you always have most people have a few defining moments in their life. A few key strong moments that really ultimately change or at least fundamentally define who they are as a person. And most of the other events have little to no effect. But it's those few really big ones, those few big, like, who you get married to. Did you, you know, did you get saved by Christ? Stuff like that. Well, argue, this was arguably the second biggest event that ever happened in my life. Only next to me being saved. Um, at least thus, thus far. <laughs> um, so I was about... 16 years old, actually 15, it was a month before my birthday, and I was getting ready for the Mexico mission trip at Rolling Hills Christian Church. The high school group goes down there every single year over spring break. And it was May 5th, I mean, sorry, January 5th, 2008. It was a team building day. It was only a few months before, it was only about two months before the trip, and I woke up with this horrible uh, leg pain in the back of my thigh, and I had no clue what it was. By 2 a.m. that night, I was in such pain that I could not even, I couldn't even stand. I was crawling on my knees, screaming my guts out, and I have a really high threshold for pain, so that's, a, that's something that's really, really serious for me. It, does, it takes a lot for me to even shed a tear. And I asked my parents for, you know, for some Vicodin, something really strong. And they gave it to me. The Vicodin had a, almost no effect, did almost nothing. And basically, Vicodin is like Tylenol on steroids, if you don't know. Um, <laughs> so so they give me that doesn't work within 36 within yeah probably what was it like 24 hours within 24 hours my bladder shuts down within 36 hours I'm bedridden and can't even walk and within 48 hours I'm hospitalized at Merce- at a, no not Mercy Marshall Marshall Medical Center in Placerville for MRSA crazy staff infection and if you don't w- know what that is it's a It's a type of staph infection, but it's one of the worst you can get. It's resistant to almost every single antibiotic out there, and it's virtually impossible to kill off. And it claims many, many lives each year. MRSA, MRSA, it's an acronym for something, but I can't remember what it is. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Anyways, so uh, the doctors couldn't even get a significant biopsy of it, and they, they chalked it up to MRSA, that's what they could guess, but they couldn't even properly diagnose it. So there I am on my deathbed, and I don't, I'm so scared I don't know what's going to happen. I eventually become so angry and bitter towards God because I felt like I had been cheated out of my chance at this thing we call life. I had been cheated from what I thought was my right to live. And I, be, I became so, so angry. So add on the stresses of um, the leg infection, I now was starting to suffer from chronic depression. And my state just started to rapidly decline from there, even more. I mean, if you have the will, if you have the... Eventually, it got so bad, I started to lose the will to survive. Lose the will to live. And if you lose, if you lose the will to live, it's very hard to stay alive. You'd be amazed what you can live through, if you're willing to live through it. So, but one night was the worst. One particular night, my fever got up to... My, well, my fever was really high the whole time. It was 106, if not higher. In fact, one night I actually got up to 109. And if it didn't go down, they were gonna have to emergency airlift me into UC Davis, where I would have to have this horrible surgery that would cut across my stomach and they'd have to go down to tear out the infection. And there wasn't even, there was a definitely a high chance I could die in surgery. So between the fever, the leg infection, this threat of surgery looming over my head, there was you know, three or four factors about why I, why I shouldn't be alive today. It's definitely a, an absolute miracle that I'm healed here, and part of that is because God also he- healed me spiritually. One night at my very worst is when He finally stepped in. I was, I was finally, my depression reached so bad. I was also now blaming God that He wouldn't even kill me quickly. I felt great. Here you are, God. You can't even give. You can't even be decent enough to just end my life right now. I have to be dying here, slowly bit by bit by bit, in excruciating pain, and where are you? Where are you? I can't see you right now. Help me. So I finally managed to fall asleep through the pain that one night, and I actually had sort of, I don't think it was quite a vision, but it was cer- it was certainly some sort of crazy dream. It was definitely a dream from God, I know that. And in my dream, I had died. I had died from the leg infection, and since this is a dream, I think this is real every si- every single minute of it. And I'm up in heaven, and God God talks to me. He says, He says, well He says, well done, congratulations, you've made it. But look around you. <laughs> you're here. You made it to heaven. Awesome. I'm glad to have you here. But look around you. Who did you bring? Who's up here with you? Who did you witness to save? And my heart sunk to the ground and several feet below it. And I was, I was li- literally scared to death at that point. I didn't know what was going to happen. And he was right. I had absolutely no excuse. I had been living a life of comfort and luxury, but, you know, not that those are necessarily bad things, but I wasn't sharing my faith with anyone I cared about. So he he then pulls me aside, shows me what's going on on earth, and I see the harvest. Literally see all the souls that are being rapidly just warped into hell. And largely due to ignorance because they don't know better because, and he basically said, you see that person right down there? Remember him when you you know, back in, back during high school? And you felt prompted that you should have said something and didn't? If you did, he would be here today. Remember him? Over there? If you said something, he might be here today. So, and the moment I, that, I wake up in the hospital bed, back to where I am, shrieking in misery and pain, but also out of sheer shock of what just happened, and from that point, that point on, I vowed, okay, <laughs> things just got way worse, radically. It gave me a huge wake-up call to, as to who I really was at that moment, at least up to that point, what I, what I had made my life about, and why I needed to change it. And because of that, I, <laughs> I then made a, v- a vow to God, you know what, God, if you heal me, if you heal me of this affliction, somehow, some miraculous way I come out of this infection, I promise that when you, when you prompt me to share my faith about somebody, sh- share, share to somebody my faith about you, I'm going to do it. And so far, to this day, I've been able to keep that promise. And the moment I changed my mindset, thank you. <laughs> the moment I changed my mindset was the moment God came back to, was the moment God started to heal, heal me and, and turn me around. The doctors luckily found an antibiotic. It finally started. It was actually a mix of several things. It was. They could have had acid in it, for all I know. If it, as long as as it killed it off, they didn't care at that point. I mean, forget forget the morphine addiction. And (laughs) it's true. I was on so much morphine, I was it was on clockwork. Every like almost every four hours, I was asking for more of it because I was in that much pain. But anyways, they. I was finally starting to get healed, but God. God stepped in and saved my life not too early, not too late just at the right moment if he saved me earlier than than like how I had wanted originally I might not have had the spiritual wake up and the spiritual is far more important than our physical destination what happens to us spiritually has of infinite more importance and I'm looking back on it I'm so glad he stepped in exactly when he did because I wouldn't be the same person I am here today because of it All right, thanks.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Christian. Thanks for sharing that testimony. Christian's like, he he tells me this. It's so funny. He says, I don't have a testimony of how bad I was. And then I read the testimony, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because God is such a powerful healer. Brian Orm, some of you know him. He's coming June 21st to talk. And he sent me an email today. He prayed uh, this last week. A woman came up who'd recently become a Christian. Jewish, saved a couple of weeks. Chronic pain throughout her body had been constant for quite some time. I asked her about unforgiveness, and she had some towards her brother. She forgave then. I commanded the spirit of infirmity to release its hold. She bent over limp, and then the demon manifested and left. Later, one of the staff came over and said that she had metal pins in her back, and it's impossible for her to bend over like that. Well, I'd say the pen's dissolved. Hello, Jesus. That's what he says. A man with Parkinson's disease came up, and after being prayed for, fell out in the spirit and got up walking around and looked very different. A woman came up with chronic back pain. One leg was shorter than the other, so we prayed, and the leg grew, her hips aligned, and all the back pain instantly left. Two shoulders were instantly healed along with an elbow. We believe that God's going to start doing miracles like that Just like what Christian described, and more dramatic. So, I just, the reason I read those to you is because they're happening all around. They're actually happening in our community, but we also believe they're going to start happening in our services. So, I read that to you to encourage you to start looking to God to do some powerful things. All right? Let me pray for you, and then we're going to have two of my favorite people in the world come up and speak. Uh, Eric and Camille have a dynamic. Uh, marriage that um, they have worked hard for and they're going to give you some really powerful um, clues about relationships that will save you some of the things that they've gone through and I just want to encourage you it's, uh, you can learn one of two ways you can either take notes and ask the Holy Spirit or you can do what I pay out of state what I call out of state tuition and that's for those of you who are stupid you have to learn it you're the hard way <clears throat> you're looking at someone who was stupid most of his life and i am a crazy note taker these days because uh, for about the last five years i've been really experiencing a, a dramatic transformation and i desire that for you so let me pray for you and then we're going to have eric and camille come up so father as um all of these a lot of these people are single adults i am too we want a spouse I love it when we all agree in prayer. But, Lord, I just pray that as we sit here and as we listen, that our walls would fall down, that we wouldn't be thinking about which X that point applies to, but that we would be open to the Holy Spirit, that we would hear what you have to say to us, that you would just give us the courage to allow you to speak directly into our lives that we would begin to walk with a level of wholeness that we've never known before. And that we would have clarity so that when we look around us for who we want to be married to, our eyes are clear. And we can find other whole people. And they're drawn to us because we also are whole. So we just ask you for a powerful truth transformation tonight across this assembly. In Jesus name I break the power of every stronghold I break the power of every lie every word curse and every accusation that's ever been spoken over you your relationships or your ability to have a future spouse I break the power of any mistakes that you've made in the past I break the power of every memory of every person you've ever been with I break off shame and condemnation Every harassing, tormenting thought that comes to you when it comes to relationships, I break that power, and we bind those in Jesus' name tonight. I tell the deaf and dumb spirit to come off your heads so that you can clearly hear what the word of God has to say. We just thank you, God, because you're such an awesome daddy. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome Eric and Camille. Woot woo, woo.
2: This working? You guys hear me? Sweet. Uh, so, we, we love this. This is a ton of fun. Uh, first off, I thought it'd be interesting to uh, point out that uh, we've, you know, worked hard on our marriage, and we've, we're a firm believer in just counseling, even when everything's great in your relationship. I mean, you don't drive your car for, like, 20,000 miles and never change the oil, you know? And, and I kind of went into it with, like, the mentality that I want to have, like, the best marriage humanly possible. And uh, we ended up taking some personality like tests and compatibility, and what were the results about our compatibility?
3: Uh, we're not compatible. Exactly. <laughs> Every <laughs> test
2: said, dear father, you should not be married. Like, <laughs> what did you do, you but know?
3: we did take the test after we got married, so it was like... We too just, late. Yeah, too
2: late. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Kimmy when she like, you know, we were seeing, she's like, did we make a mistake? You're like, it's a test, no, you know? <laughs> like it's course too not. late. <laughs> And so I want to forewarn you that, that what I'm going to share with you is my personal belief, which I've really searched in the scriptures and found to be true in my heart. And um, if you have an issue with that, if I raffle some feathers, we got, you know, some cleanup tools and stuff. But I challenge you guys to uh, totally seek it out for yourself in the Word. And uh, sometimes I, I think that we, we believe things that God never really said. And we find ourselves handicapped by those beliefs and we don't know why. We don't know why life isn't working how we want. And I think sometimes it comes down to the details of, of walls and parameters and expectations we've set that we, we don't know why they're there, but they just are there. And one of the things I want to share with you guys is that, you know, even though that the, the tests and the experts have said that we are completely incompatible, that uh, I feel I have the, the choice. Like, I have the choice to have an awesome marriage. And all of you guys have the choice to have an awesome marriage, an awesome dating relationship, and all of those different details. And and uh, one of the reasons I love being an entrepreneur is uh, like I feel like, man, the power's in my hands. like, who knows what tomorrow has? And I feel the same ways for life and relationships that, that we need to uh, look at the scripture that hopefully will release us to be able to dream and be able to be free for what we want to have God do in our lives. And it's going to be at the, our choosing, I really believe. So I'm going to share a little bit of the scripture with you. We're going to talk a little bit, but more importantly than anything else, this is kind of cool. Um, so this is our brand new little Epic Life text messaging service phone. Uh, this has no context, no address book, nothing. No one answers this phone. It's just for text messages. And so we have a number that if you want uh, and ask any question you want, um, we won't know who it is or whatever, but during the message, if you have something that comes to mind, um, text it. We're going to leave a little time at the end uh, to do a little Q&A based on some of the text messages that come through. So if you have something like that's burning you're like, man, what is it, um, just grab this number, I think, yeah, there it is, um, and text it in there, and uh, so we'll, uh, we'll address that and see how we have time uh, for that at the end.
3: And if you don't text any questions, we'll I will then entertain you with really disgusting stories, so <laughs> just as a warning.
2: Which I'll has t- nothing to do with marriage, though. It's <laughs> no, a different... Oh, no, yeah. It didn't...
3: <laughs> oh, I can give you some of those, too. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> I know, I was telling Eric before we drove here, because, you know, we have a baby, and I was like, I have not had maybe, you know, I'm a good student, and so I didn't maybe allot myself as many study hours as I would have liked, and I was telling Eric, I said, what happens when I get nervous and I feel unprepared is I start telling, like, really graphic stories for my job, because it just distracts everyone from what I'm really supposed to be talking about, so, text questions.
2: Perfect. (laughs) So, just so you guys know, the goal for tonight is that you guys would learn how to survive and thrive dating and relationships, uh, while in the pursuit of God. Because isn't that, like, the challenge, like, you know, relationships are okay, but as soon as you, like, throw God in the mix, you're like, oh, wait a second, this now is complicated. Like, what does God say about it, and what do I do, and what does it mean? So we're going to cover a couple of things. The first thing I'm going to cover is, uh, covering what the Bible says about dating and marriage. Uh, we're going to uncover some misconceptions about God and dating. Perfect. And then uh, we're going to uh, give you a few practical ways in which to uh, succeed in dating. I'm going to stand for a second.
3: It's
2: now that I'm up. this Is the crappy chair? All right, perfect. Sacrifice right here. So the first thing is... Lesson number one. Yeah, right.
3: The girl gets the best, everything.
2: What's hers is hers, and what's mine's is hers. You know, that's kind of how it goes. Happy wife, happy life. I mean, all these little nuggets are going to come out. Uh, but this is not going to be uh, necessarily a, a talk on on how to have a great marriage, because that's a totally separate conversation. Uh, we have a couple married folks in here, but really this is how to to take the Bible, understand, and learn from it. So the first thing is I want us to know what the, what the Bible says about dating. You guys ready? It says nothing. The end. Let's pray. No, I'm kidding. No, but the Bible doesn't say anything about dating. Can you believe that? I was like, man, surely in like You know, 5th Peter chapter 2 or something in there, or Obadiah 9, or I don't know, like somewhere in the back, you know, it should say something about dating. And it's really silent. And and why is that? Is that because culturally, marriage in the old days was something that was arranged by family and your parents, and you didn't have a choice. You know, when God created Adam and Eve, He wasn't saying, like, you know, Adam, check it out, I got a woman right here for you, you know, and I got nine of them, you know, like, you take your pick. He's like, I made one woman for you. And that's how God initially set it up. And so culturally, uh, the people kind of picked up on that. And so, mom and father decided like, hey, we're going to pick this one person for you, but that was more cultural than anything else. Um, And so we we look at it, and we we find that, man, surely the Bible has something to say about it. Surely there's there's guidance and instruction for us. I want to give a couple small little takes uh, for what we're going to find here in the Bible, and there's just only a couple little snippets I'm going to share with you. Uh, And, uh, and, The first is going to be Paul's take on God in marriage. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament, and and he says this in 1 Corinthians 7, 6, and 8. And just a forewarning. Like, it's going to feel a little depressing initially, but I'm going to to redeem it at the end here, okay? (laughs) 1 Corinthians 7, 6, and 8 says, But this I say by way of concession, not of command. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am, meaning unmarried, However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. And he's saying, like, if you have, like, an opportunity, you know, the choice, like, right now, like, some gnarly stuff's going on, it'd be better for you to be unmarried. 1 Corinthians seven thirty-two 32-35 says this, and uh, continuing this topic, he says, But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Undistracted devotion to the Lord. That sounds like really holy speak, right? You think like, the will of God is that we be undistracted in the Lord. Amen? But clearly that, that God has purpose for marriage. Clearly that doesn't make sense. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense to say the will of God is for you to be undistracted upon the Lord. Surely that if we want, you know, to be fruitful and multiply, that there has to be, you know, a marriage relationship there. You know, like God's promises for mankind also involve marriage, so it can't be a contradiction. But he says that clearly that, that marriage divides your interests between marriage and the Lord. But also, Proverbs 18, 22 says, a man who finds a wife finds favor from the Lord. So what do we do? Jesus says this on marriage. This is Matthew 19, 9 through 12. He says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are also eunuchs made by themselves for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Very awkward. He who is able to accept this, let him accept it.
3: Can I just say something really Sure. Funny? So, this all verse made a lot of sense when I was reading Eric's notes, because... I just have to say that, like, a couple days ago, I was on his computer. Not snooping, because there's nothing interesting to snoop on. But I clicked on the internet, and it was open. It was, like Wikipedia, and it was Unix. And he was... I had no idea why he was researching what Unix were, <laughs> and castrated men, and <laughs> all this. And then...
2: She's like, why is... It? I was like, trust we're me, we're, we're all good.
3: So, you can continue. But
2: understanding, like, the physical and the... S- Perfect. Where do we go from here, right? Now we're we're talking about castrated men. This is awkward. Oh, so many tangents we could explore, but we won't. My wife actually castrates horses for a living, so I'll leave that one over there. But but eunuchs. Okay, so castrated men, right? You know, well, well, culturally, actually, there's 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 the the physical you know, eunuch, and then there's also kind of like the spiritual eunuch, and, and the difference is that men who have, have uh, made themselves committed to never being married, who have committed themselves to serving the Lord or whoever, and it wasn't uncommon for someone who was high up in government, you know, if they're close to the king, that they would say, I will be a servant of the king, and the king would say, okay, you will be my inner circle, you'll be with my, my wife, my kids, but one thing's got to go if you're going to be that close. I guess so. <laughs> so, and then, then there's men who, for the Lord, that they, they feel called that they should kind of, you know, end that kind of chapter of their life uh, and, and be totally devoted. And, and so, you know, as different things happen. You know, hormones, like, go away, and it makes it easier. You know, those desires go away. Whatever, okay? But what Jesus is saying, why does he bring this up? He's bringing this up because I believe that he's saying is that from people from birth— have, have been born and have never really desired to be married. And that's okay. And also there are people who are for the sake of jobs and opportunity and service and do others have said, I'm not going to get married. And then there's others who say, for the sake of God to be fully devoted to him in the way that I feel is right for me, I'm never going to get married. And Jesus is saying, no sweat. It's totally cool. Now why do I say all this? And this is one of the first things, the misconceptions, is that, Sometimes when we look at dating and marriage and relationships, we, we kind of mix God's will in there, that we somehow develop a promise that God has promised me that I'm going to be married. His word promises it to me. Doesn't that sound like somewhere like, you know, that in the Bible it says that? And it really doesn't address that. There is no promise in the Bible that any one of us are guaranteed a spouse. Now that might bum some of you out, but for others, you're like, all right, so, so what? Well, we're going we're gonna to look at that. Because um, God is so faithful in the promises and the blessings of marriage, but he doesn't say that, I promise you, you'll be in that blessing. He's like, if you're married, you will be blessed if you honor me and all those things. But getting to there, he doesn't really talk about the, the spouse. And so the truth of dating a marriage is actually not God's will, but it's your will. The truth of the matter is that marriage, dating, relationship, spouse is actually a product of your own free will and your free choice. Just like God didn't say, I'm going to create all these human beings to be robots and worship me, it's the same way that all of us are not destined to be uh, committed to somebody that we didn't want to love in the first place. The power of love is in free choice. The power of love is not that I I captured my wife and stole her way into a a tower and like, you're going to be married to me. Like, how fulfilling would that love be, honestly? And so God has given us the privilege to have free choice and free will in our dating relationships. And so I want to let that be an encouragement to you that, that we have all to gain that we desire and to put in. Meaning that none of us have to surrender ourselves to a lousy marriage, a lousy spouse, a lousy life that we don't want. The truth of it is that God is saying, I have given you everything that you need pertaining to life and godliness. Everything. That's 1 Peter, I think chapter 2. And, and he's like, surely you've been equipped when you become a believer for everything to make great decisions about shall you get married shall you not and then who shall you pick and so anyone can get married i mean any anyone you guys can go down the courthouse and it's just like you know a couple of sheets of paper that's not that big a deal but not everybody can have a marriage and that's what we want the 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 wedding itself i mean those those details and, and marriage itself is is uh, is so much separate than just being married you know, getting married, having a spouse that's legally bound to you is, is totally different than having a fulfilling marriage itself. But a powerful thing is that when, when two individual people come together and they stand before God on an altar, that is when God jumps in. That's when God's will in all of his scriptures about men leading the marriage and men dying for each other and women serving and, and, and giving each other mutually to each other, that's when God's will kicks in. But before that, before you reach the altar... That you guys are separate people acting out of separate choice and freedom and privilege to choose the best path forward for you. But why do you get married on an altar? Things die on altars. Like Old Testament, like you had an altar because things were about to be dead. No one looked at altars like, oh, great things happened there. It's like like a, a terrible place. And you get married on an altar. Well, something's dying and it's you. You know, it's like God performs the miracle. He takes two people and he's like, both you guys, you're dead. Boom, you are a new creation. You are one flesh. And so at that moment, that's when God radically jumps in and it takes control. But up until there, he's like, man, I have given you everything pertaining to life and God needs to live an awesome life, to make great decisions and choices. And and that's where it's going to come together. But God is certainly a part of making you prepared for a great marriage. He's certainly a part of making you a great candidate for a dating relationship. He's certainly a part of that refining of, of your personhood, your character, and all those great things. And, and so th- that happens on an individual level. But I, I see so often that people try and intermix the will of God with, with an outcome that they really, really want. And that can lead to all sorts of, you know, bummer details and things. You want to add anything to that? <laughs> okay. do um, the second misconception is uh, mixing a specific person with the will of God. Mixing a person with the will of God for marriage. Now, ladies, if, if uh, a guy has ever approached you and says, I've been praying, God thinks we should be dating. Like, like come on, has anybody ever had that Like, kind of said to them, <laughs> Right?
3: When you go to a Christian college, it's kind of like, that's like the main pickup line, you know? Like, I've been praying a lot, and I feel like God, you know, and then you're like running away screaming the other right. direction. <laughs> like, yeah, I must not be listening to God as well as them. Right?
2: <laughs> I mean, isn't that manipulation? Say, like, man, God really wants you to marry me. I mean, like, how do you, like, respond like, no, he doesn't? I mean, like, <laughs> like, that, now you're kind of in, like, a little war, right? And surely it's possible for God to confirm on people's heart the right character, the right opportunity, the right positioning where you are. Surely God is possible to confirm all the great things that happen in making a wise decision. But I think that sometimes that we look at it and we say God's will for this one person, it's really not his place. I really, and I mean this in the best way, I really don't think that God's will has anything to do with whether you get married or not and who you pick. Because my wife and I, we're scientifically supposed to be incompatible, but we have a great marriage. You know, and I I feel that we both openly say that we could be married to a variety of different people and be really happy and really content, and we could have, you know, we're high-functioning people. Like, we can make, you know, it work, I suppose. It doesn't mean anything bad, but now that I've had the power of choice, the the way that God refined my heart, the way he refined my character, made me perfectly fit for Camille. And and when the time came, I jumped on it. But God. <laughs> All right, the purity talk is another talk later, okay? But God can use specific people. Man, I think I lost it there. <laughs> Speaking is so hard. Why do you guys laugh? You say it all. You don't even think. You're like, "Oh, that was offensive." <laughs> but the, the 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 great thing is that that God will use people. Like uh, a, a failed dating relationship is not that big a deal. It's not a bummer thing. Why? Because God will use those experiences to give you attributes. Will give you experiences. Will give you more information about. Wow, this is the kind of person I really need to marry. I knew actually within. Uh, my dating relationships early on that I need someone that can totally be okay with living life by, you know, the thread of our, our teeth. Skin of our teeth. I was Like, that didn't sound right. And, and you know, understanding that, like, for, for many women, like, security is a significant deal. I haven't had a W-2 since I was 16. Like, I haven't had a savings account until this year. You know, it's like, we live such crazy, crazy lives. I knew that that my calling with God was was... Was strong, and I really had a lot of clarity individually for me what God was leading me. It's like, it's going to take a unique person. It's going to take someone that I need to identify to be able to hang with this, but also that's going to join with me. And so God really gave me this stewardship of having uh, a watchful eye and really understanding. And that came through a couple of those broken relationships, and that's okay. Because when we, we get into any relationship, we're like, well, God, it's your will. Surely it's your will for this. We get in muddy waters. The Bible mentions hardly anything about choosing the right spouse, and there's only two, two things that in the entire Bible I could find. And the first is 2 Corinthians 6.14. It says, don't be unequally yoked. That's the only attribute, biblically, that I can find that speaks to who should you marry. It basically says, if they're a believer, I'm going to leave the rest to you. That's good news, right? The only other verse I could find is Proverbs twenty one nineteen, which is kind of the opposite. It says, It is better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife.
3: <laughs> that intense? And
2: true. And true. <laughs> Not that I know from experience, but it says, It would be better that you never marry than, than marry someone whose character will drive you loony. That's some, that's some freedom there, right? One of the great things... That, that we can take hold of, is that though God has not promised us a spouse, he hasn't promised us marriage or a wedding, all those different th- details, he has promised us the mind of Christ. Amen? And we get that from 1 Corinthians 2.16, that we have the mind of Christ that's in us. And so therefore, since we have the mind of Christ, we've been given a brain to use. Amen? And we've been given judgment to make decisions on dating. Someone I know really well uh, was convinced that it was God's will that she met this, this guy. She was convinced. You could not talk her out of it. It, it. He is perfect for her in every single way. The way they met, there's like doves fluttering and violinists that came out like playing and they, they walked in slow motion to each other. It's like, it was God's will that I met this person that we're dating. Like, And it was just, look out if you disagree. And, uh, and, and the you know, she said, like, we're too compatible for it not to be God's will. We're too compatible. It's too perfect. The feelings are too great. Everything is amazing. And, uh, and because it's God's will, you know, it's taken it so fast. They move the relationship, you know, at light speed. And, uh, and so what, what happened is that when God's will got in the mix of it, right? Because anything trumped God's will? No, right? Like God's will it's like, you're not going to argue with that, right? So you're like, what do you do? But if it's God's will, then the attitude came, then there's nothing that I can do to mess it up. And I had some concerns about the relationship. I'm like, just to volunteer a couple, you know, opinions, like, I don't really see these promises here, but, you know, I'm happy for you. But um, this whole mentality that you can't mess it up, kind of dangerous. I promise you, you can. No, if it's God's will, I can't do anything to mess it up. A counselor said that, no less. If it's God's will, you can't mess it up. And just because the heart emotion is real doesn't mean that it's God's will. Because we know Jeremiah seventeen nine. this is a powerful verse, says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can cure it? And who can understand it? That we know that our heart lies to us just because we feel it doesn't mean squat oftentimes. And so what happened is that the relationship ended. And, and now what do you do? You've, you've stamped God's will all over this. So if God's will was bringing them in, is it now God's will that it, it, your heart got crushed? Is it now God's will that you're now in depression? Like, how do you reconcile that? How in a dating relationship can you mark God's will and bring him in, but not blame God for the circumstances that follow? And that's exactly what happened, is that this person's walk with God was so tied with the progress of this romantic relationship that when the romantic relationship faltered, the relationship with God faltered. It's important in our dating relationships that we separate the tracks that my pursuit with God and my pursuit of a woman or your pursuit of a guy or whatever it is, they're separate so that if one goes south, and we all know which one will, unless it's marriage, is that that doesn't tie your relationship with God and pull it down. And even marriages, I mean, there's no guarantee. You have to put a lot of hard work into it, but at least in dating relationships, when, when commitments and things are still open, like, who knows what can happen? They're also acting in free choice, too. But it's, what, what, the danger of this is stamping God's will on these things oftentimes removes all personal responsibility. When we label God's will on this dating relationship, on this person, what we really are doing is that we are removing ourselves from any personal responsibility of it. You know, if you go in the Middle East, uh, you'll hear it all the time, and they'll say, well, I'll see you at six. And they'll say, I'll see you at six, uh, inshallah. And I was like, what does that mean? You know, inshallah, it means God willing, I'll see you at six. And so what they do is is this kind of like get out of jail free card that every single thing, I'll be committed to this, I'll sign this contract, inshallah. And if you oversleep, you know, or you don't make it, or you decide, ah, I'm not over it, then they just simply say, well, it wasn't God's will, right? I mean, isn't that kind of a a cheap way? You're like, come on, like, you stayed up late, you overslept, it wasn't God's will, like, you just, you missed it, you know? Come on. (laughs) But I think that the danger is that we tie God's will to a romantic relationship, we are, in essence, saying, well, God's will, you know, I I couldn't help that outcome. Sure you could. We just need to be aware of it, (laughs) So, um, I think, uh, I think that, that's it on that. There's a couple details I'll, I'll share later, but I want to turn it over to Camille on the, the lies that, that we believe.
3: Well, there's always details with everything. And, you know, when Eric told me we were going to talk about dating tonight, to be honest, lately I've been feeling very old. I'm 30 years old, I have a child, which makes me feel really old, <laughs> and I know I have more wrinkles since it, and Eric and I have been married eight years this summer, so we started dating over nine years ago.
2: We didn't have to do the whole, are you Facebook official?
3: Yes, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we were excited about that. Um, I don't think we sold AOL back then, but, um, so I was really feeling like, What do I have to contribute to the topic of dating? Because I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm not very relevant with the dating topic. But this is what I realized, thinking about it and praying about it, is that when you have distance from something in your life, just think of anything from your childhood, something that happened a long time ago, you can have clarity because you're out of that fishbowl. Because it happened back then. And with clarity, you see truth, and you get freedom. And really, tonight is not really about talking about dating. It's talking about freedom, because that's how we all want to live. And so I then realized that I actually do have something to say about dating, because I have clarity, because I have some distance. And I can step back and see the relationships and the dating relationships I had for what they really were. And here is my truth that all of you already know, but I'm going to say it out loud, especially to the women. Women, you know when you're in the wrong relationship. You know. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit pressed it on my heart tonight to kind of declare some truths over the women and break some lies because the truth is here. And God wants us to have the truth in our life. And it will overflow into our dating life, into our future marriages, into every aspect of our life. Women are not stupid. We are not the weaker sex. God did not create us to be subservient to men. He didn't. And if there's a man in your life that that's how he talks to you, he's not the right man. I firmly believe that God created women to be leaders, to be businesswomen, to be mothers, to be wise, to be creators, to be inventors, and to be world changers. I firmly believe that. And we are called, when we're dating, to date as equals. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we need to date as women below men. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible it does talk about in marriage there are verses marriage about being submissive to our husbands they're in the context of we need to, like the church submits to Christ and then men need to love women the way Christ laid down his life so actually men have the harder calling in that and it's true So the reason I'm going to say this is one of the things I most value about my relationship with Eric is that he completely gives me freedom. Our relationship is not about control. We are not threatened by each other. I am not threatened by him. I think the reason that personality test says we're not compatible is because I'm a pretty strong woman and and he's a pretty strong man. And so neither of us easily give. But I think the fruit of our relationship is that he doesn't try to control me, and I don't try to control him. Because that's not really how God created us to be. And I just want to kind of break that lie off any women here tonight that feel like we are weaker, or we need to listen to how the, our boyfriend directs our relationship. Because that's absolutely not true. And the dynamic does change once you're married, but it changes in a way that I think continues to give you more freedom because you've chosen the right person. And I was really thinking about looking back at dating and how I can look at the men I dated before I dated Eric. I don't know if I should call them all men, but male, (laughs) gendered. (laughs) Eunuchs. People, not, no. I don't know. I don't think any of them are eunuchs. But, um, you know, I look back, and I think to myself, while I was in those relationships, I knew they weren't the right relationships.
2: <laughs> I knew they weren't the right. <laughs> I'm just, just saying. Uh,
3: well, I not yeah. even go there. <laughs> yeah. so, um, and I knew it. But So then I was thinking, okay, why? Okay, here I was, and I didn't end all those relationships as soon as I got into them. Even when I kind of had that inkling they weren't the right relationship. And so then I'm thinking to myself, okay, self... Why did you stay in that relationship for any period of time once you knew it wasn't the right relationship? And I really believe that it's because of these lies we tell ourselves and these fears we have. And here are some of them off the top of my head. I will never get married. So why would I break up with this boyfriend? We've been together for so long. I've invested so much in this relationship, I can't even imagine ending it. I feel like I hear that all the time. Women that have been dating guys for a year or even more, and they feel like they have put so much of themselves in that relationship, they can't even imagine ending it, even if they know it's not the relationship they'd always dreamed of. It will never get better. Definitely hear that. Definitely felt that for myself. I remember uh, one guy I dated when I was in college. I knew at the time you know, the Holy Spirit's always talking to us. And I knew at that time that it wasn't the ideal relationship for me, but I genuinely felt that it, I probably wouldn't get any better prospects because he checked off maybe 80% of the things on my list. And so I hung in there um, until it, you know, obviously <laughs> exploded into a million pieces. Um, and until I mean, you saw there, the light. Until I saw the light. Um, and here's the deal. Dating, actually, is not that hard, because there's only one thing you have to do. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I promise you, will tell you if you're in the wrong relationship. Absolutely, He will not leave you hanging. You will not be in the wrong relationship and hear absolutely nothing from the Holy Spirit, if you're asking and if you're listening. But, the Holy Spirit doesn't always point out if you're in the right relationship. So He'll tell us if we're in the wrong relationship. But He won't always tell us if we're in the right one, which can seem a little bit annoying. But it's true. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit's not a puppeteer. He's not going to direct us everywhere we need to go. Because like Eric said, we have freedom. And we have freedom of choice. And that's an awesome gift. So the Holy Spirit's probably not going to niggle in your ear, ding, 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 if you don't take this one, there's no better one coming up. <laughs> but he will tell you if you're in the wrong relationship, um, look at this, look at this, look at this, you need to get out. Like Eric and I have talked about many times, we personally don't believe that there's only one in the whole world that we could ever be married to. And we actually really love knowing that because we love looking at each other and going, we chose each other. It wasn't like um, you're the only one that would marry me. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that is true, but we prefer to look at it like I chose you and you chose me. It wasn't like we're stuck with each other and God's laughing up in heaven. You know, like <laughs> He doesn't work that way. I mean, He probably does laugh at us, but. Um,
2: you want to make God laugh? You just tell Him your plans. Right. It's a sure way.
3: So that's the the truth I really had placed over my heart tonight was just to kind of declare to the women, like, you know when you're in the wrong relationship, when you feel that check in your spirit, don't ignore it, because it's real. And the Holy Spirit is always talking to us. And the more whole we become, and the more we listen to Him, the more we will be quick to discern. And what do you do? I was also thinking, too, about because I felt all those same fears about what if I never get married? I felt like I saw my friends around me getting engaged. And even though I got married young, there's always somebody getting married younger than you. And I felt like my friends were getting married. I felt like everybody had found their soulmate. And I was just kind of, at times, totally freaked out that I was going to be standing on the corner, like, with all my cats. (laughs) And I do like cats, so, like, that seemed like a real reality for me. Like, I was just going to continue to collect them because nobody would be around to tell me not to. And, which I did have collected some since we've been married. But, uh, you know, and so I thought, okay, what do you do? Because those things will come into your mind. You will feel those fears. I have really amazing girlfriends. I have some amazing girlfriends that are single, and I know that they struggle with that. And what I liken it to is working out. And I've recently just started working out again after a year plus off of cooking a baby. And I'm sure all of you in here have at least tried working out at some point. Or if you haven't even really tried it, you've had to do it in school, because I think the government makes you run like a mile or something, (laughs) right? So this is the deal with working out. At first, it's like really hard. And you have to force yourself to do it. And I'm currently doing a little DVD series that I do in the safety of my home so no one can see me and laugh at me while I do it. But you have to force yourself to get up and press play and not just sit on the couch and watch ho-hos while you watch, like, the good-looking man do his workout and you're just sitting on the couch eating ho-hos, you know. But to get up and do it, like, takes some effort. And so the first day you do it, it's hard. But then you do it again the next day, and then you do it again the next day, and you keep forcing yourself, and you start getting disciplined in doing your workout. And you know what's amazing? And for all of you that worked out what happens is you actually start to enjoy it, and it starts to become a habit, and you start to need it, and it becomes automatic. I need my workout today. I need my workout today. I hate it. This sucks, but I need my workout today. And it's the same way with speaking truth into your own life is that when you hear those things in your head, because it will never go away, because unfortunately the enemy continues to prowl around until we're in heaven, so it will never go away. So you'll have a really great night, and you're single, and you're like, this is awesome. The Holy Spirit is talking to me. I'm getting clarity. I'm getting discernment. Like, I believe that God will give me the desires of my heart. This is my current desire. I believe if I'm seeking him, he will bring me someone. I feel awesome, but I know how it goes. And it might be the next day, it might be an hour later, it might be a month later, but all of a sudden in your little head comes this little thing that goes, what if you never get married, and no one's ever going to love you, and you're never going to be married? And what you have to do is you have to get disciplined, and you have to get that little voice in your head, and you say, that is not true. That is not true. That is not from God. I'm completely worthy of finding a soulmate. I'm completely worthy of that, and God is preparing me for it. And you have to do it. And let me tell you, at first it's really hard. And you say it, and you still feel it, and you say it, and you still feel it, and you're still feeling it, still feeling. It, you're like, okay, Camille said I just have to say it, and it goes away. No, it's discipline. And this is my promise to you, for those of you who worked out, is if you continue to do it, it becomes really quick and really fast. And at some point, the second that thought comes in your mind, that's the second you nip it in the bud, and it's no longer inside of you. Mm. And that's what I want for all of you, is that we become people that are so whole— We're so whole, we have such freedom, that whenever the enemy tries to speak a lie into our life, it's nipped in the bud before it even seeps into us.
2: I heard a quote, uh, I think I read uh, just recently, that truth is so hard to believe because the lies are so familiar. Mm -hmm. But the truth is hard to believe and receive because the lies are so familiar. We want to believe those things that that are, are there because they are so familiar.
3: my soapbox. Okay. I can keep going, but no, I won't, because we have text messages.
2: <laughs> so before we jump into that, we want to give you guys kind of like three kind of takeaways, you know, kind of from this given, you know, we've kind of given a little bit of biblical context and, and understanding your free will and choice and God's purposes, and the first one is that since it's your choice, choose wisely. Since it's your choice, choose wisely. I've always thought that if I have a crummy marriage, I only have one person to blame. It's me. Like, no one is forcing any of you guys to get married. Like, the, the guy, which is the most agonizing experience ever, because, well, at least for me, because we never talked about marriage when we were dating. I proposed without ever asking her, like, so hypothetically. You know, if I were to buy children. don't
3: recommend it.
2: I'm not advocating that either. But I went into it, and, like, it's the questions, like, will you marry me? Like, I have no idea. And, in fact, a lot of opinions was like she was going to say No. Thanks for the confidence. <laughs> but there's a component there that, that, you know, when someone gets on their knee, if you're a woman, and a guy gets on his knee and gives you a ring, he's asking you. It's not an obligation. Like, I'm telling you, marry me. It's like, no, will you? And you have the option to say yes or no. Right? I mean, we have the choice. I'm liberating you guys to feel that you will not be enslaved to marry someone you don't want to marry. If you are not happy in your marriage, it's only your own fault, because you probably didn't pick that great of a candidate. It's important that we marry somebody and date somebody for who they are now, not what they could be. You marry someone to where they are right now, not because, well, after I get rid of that little pesky detail, man, that that guy will be perfect. Women have been trying to change men since the beginning of time, and it still hasn't worked, right? So why are you going to be the first? It's not going to happen. But here's another way of thinking about it, is that their character now is your life tomorrow. Their character now is your life tomorrow. And integrity is what? It's, it's, it's who you are when no one else is around. Does that mean that you spy? Yes. Why not? I mean, I don't know, like, like find out. Find out who they really are. <laughs> like, I'm not saying do something illegal, but I'm just saying... Can you be behind a wall and like listen in on like is he talking about something that's really abhorrent? I don't know. Like you want to like be aware. Like who is this guy when he's not pulling out all the stops? When we were dating, you better believe I was pulling out all the stops. I had like the running tab and all the florists and all the dinners and I, I was going over the top because I knew that I had a free choice. I had like this woman to lose. So I was like I'm going to, you know, make sure that I present myself in the best light humanly possible. And so you know like. We, we do that when we're in relationships or trying to impress, but sometimes you can actually hide some ugly stuff that might be up behind the, the, the back. So you want to maybe talk to roommates or talk to pastors or find out, you know, who, who you're really getting involved in. And um, we have a, a close friend that, um, I mean, you can share that, that great guy, appeared to be really upstanding guy, was in seminary for a period of time. They didn't really know each other very well, and then um, they got... It's the e-harmony one? Mm-hmm.
3: Go ahead, share. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was a really good friend of mine, and yeah, I probably should give more details than that. And it was this classic thing: all her friends, all of us were getting married. She wasn't. She met a guy on eHarmony, which, by the way, I think Armoni- eHarmony is great. Right. I've been to some awesome marriages, um, weddings. Yes. I personally have attended their marriage. I've attended their wedding. <laughs> uh, I've been to some awesome weddings of couples I've met on eHarmony. Just as an aside. But they met on eHarmony, and let me tell you, on paper, he was perfect. The strong Christian, the good job, the good-looking. He wooed her the whole nine yards, and so it was fast, fast, fast. And she never really took the time to figure out who he really was. And he kind of fooled her all the way to the altar. And people can only fake who they are for so long. I mean, someone can't fake who they are forever. But within a few months, somebody could fake who they really are. And she never really did any investigating into who he was, and he kind of faked his way all the way to the altar. And literally after the wedding ceremony, he was a different man. Literally after the wedding ceremony, he was a different man. And she spent her honeymoon in tears. Mm. And very, very tragic. And it was a really a sad reminder to me of how people can kind of put up a facade for a short period of time.
2: You guys know Medea? Um. Yeah, right? <laughs> wow, that's a bigger response than I thought. <laughs> I thought I was the only one. Uh, great quote. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Like, their character matters. Their integrity matters. What they do when you're not around does matter. Now, I'm all for, you know, people that make mistakes and get restored. All that, I totally get. But you, you will never marry someone who does not have sin. You just don't want to marry a transgressor. You don't want to marry somebody who is, is abiding in sin, who is, is habitually in sin, who is advocating for compromise, all those things. Are you with me? You always marry somebody that is going to fall short of the glory of God. But you don't want to find someone that is making provision for those shortcomings. There's a big difference there. And the only thing worse, that people are like, it's horrible being single, the only thing worse than being single is being married to the wrong person. There's not one person you can marry, but there's a whole lot of people that are wrong for you to marry. And that is the power that you don't don't sacrifice your singleness for, you know, a marriage with the wrong person because you'll be far worse, you know, off. And I found this quote as, as interesting. It says, I never knew what happiness was until I got married. And then it was too late.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> Total wrong
2: point. I mean, but it, it speaks to the, the truth that, you know, when you're, you know, you have the choice and you choose the wrong person, it's going to be kind of brutal. Number two, since it's their choice, right, since it's your choice and their choice, they have a response too, get free of your stuff. What I mean? It means that don't haul around like a U-Haul of baggage just waiting to dump it on. If you have brokenness in your life, you have past relationships, you have maybe a, a rough upbringing or whatever it is, get free of that stuff before you become romantically serious with somebody. Why? It's because sometimes when we have those brokenness, uh, uh, we have that brokenness in our life, we have those, those, those challenges in the past relationships, as we, we bring them forward into a new relationship and we want someone to pay for them. If, if you're dating a woman and she's like, well, I have trust issues, run. <laughs> like, there's so much under that statement, it's stinky, I don't want to even go there. Like, why make someone else pay for someone else's sins? Your forgiveness starts and ends with you. If someone has wronged you, and you're pining away, hoping that one day they come back and make it all right, you are going to be sad. Because forgiveness is called for you to forgive them, not for them to come back to you and ask you for forgiveness. God never said that there's going to be a two-way conversation of forgiveness. So if you got unforgiveness in your heart, there's only one person who can clear that up. There's only one person who can clear up that baggage you have. And so as someone is looking at you for a candidate, looking at you for like, man, is this person, you know, worthy of, of having a, a healthy, godly relationship that we can just be free and, and legit with each other, and, and they're like pulling all these things like, well, I have been cheated on before, so, you know, I'm going to need to look at your cell phone. I'm going to need, like, you're like, whoa, 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 like, I'm, I'm waging a war that I didn't start here. So don't do that. Don't, don't be in a relationship that you will instantly be paying for someone else's mistakes. You'll never win. That person is now using those, those past histories as ammo, and they're looking for someone to take it out on. It happens all the time. I'm not saying if that's you and you're, you got all this stuff, it's totally fine. We all got our stuff. But let's get free of this stuff, right? A great program is Christ's Life. Can you raise your hand if you've gone through Christ's Life? Look at this. It is awesome. And it helps you, you know, kind of go back through. Sometimes we're, we're carrying around things that we didn't even know we were carrying around. And so when the powerful things of Christ life, it helps you, like, clean out the slate. You're like, man, I haven't gone that attic a long time. I don't even know what's up there, but I want to see. So get free of your stuff. If you're insecure, get secure. <laughs> you know, like, insecurity reveals wrong security. And you think that a dating relationship will help fill that void? All it will is it's just going to medicate your insecurity even more you'll actually use that relationship to kind of further feed that insecurity rather than being secure in who you were and who you are. When we were dating, there was like, several the guys that were competing for Camille. They were sending flowers to her home, doing all sorts of things. And like, I had, you know, I had a choice either I can like, oh, woe is me, or I can be like, oh yeah? I'm just ordering more, you know? Like, I, I was like, let's, let's go! <laughs> like, I have a choice in this, so I'm gonna go for it. And, um, and I wasn't going to let myself be insecure, because I knew if I was insecure, and be like, do you really love me? Like, like, really, really uh, love me? She would have, like, turned on a dime so fast.
3: Well, I think all women can agree that there's nothing more attractive than a confident man. I mean, right? Right. Okay.
2: I've shared the story how we, you know, first met a million times. I won't do it here again. Um, and you're like, oh, I don't think you, we have please. time. Yeah. And and don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me that history and baggage are not the same thing. That God is a redeeming God. He is a restorer of lost and broken things. Um, And when you repent and move in a different direction, that is completely different. That's completely different than than carrying around baggage that that you have a vested interest in holding on to, of making somebody pay for. So if you have a, a bummer past, if you made mistakes, totally cool. God says there's victory in turning around and repenting and and getting free of that stuff. You are redeemed. You are completely cleansed of whatever shortcomings and mistakes you've had in the past, as long as you've dealt with them and let them go. God totally has victory over that. And, uh, And finally, if you want to date and have a marriage, be intentional and proactive. Be intentional and be proactive. Don't be weird, but be intentional and be proactive. Like, there's, like, a big one. like, if you're weird, you deserve to scare people off. Like, don't, you know, they have free choice, right? So don't, don't mess it up. You know, like, I, I get to hear all sorts of stories of people who, like, totally botch the whole process. So don't do it, you know? like But, but be, you know, be intentional. People who are kind of waiting around, I'm just waiting for that knight in shining armor to come bang down my door in my PJs while I stay in my room all day long and never go out. Like, don't expect God to, like, Bring a horse and a man into your room. Like, make, surround yourself in a community where there are stellar studs. Like, be in a place where there are guys that are godly in character, that are passionate about life. Like, if, like go into those communities. Like, be in those environments. Don't go around trolling. Don't have an agenda here. Like, don't flirt to convert. You know, like, don't do those things. But be intentional, though. Like, don't be like, I think God wants us to date. Like, that's not proactive and intentional. That's weird. But get to know somebody. Don't, don't have the first contact you have with somebody be about, so, maybe we can go get coffee sometime, you know? And don't, like, you know, Facebook stalk them to, you know? And, like, don't do those things. Come on. I'm trying to help you guys and save you all from embarrassment. <laughs> Tell them all. I mean, we, we could go on and on and on on those things. Just don't do it. Like, live pursue God wholeheartedly and run as fast as you can to God and look over and see who's running next to you. You'll have a lot to talk about, and it won't be about awkward things.
3: Can I just say something? Yeah. To all the single men. Buckle up. No, 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 no. no. Be cool. Be cool, okay? Girls are not into we, like I the lie I broke off, we are not stupid. And we are not weak. And we totally know when a guy is lurking around us. And yes. but you're saying that
2: women are not yes. stupid? Oh. Yes.
3: So we know when a guy is lurking around. So don't lurk around a girl because that's creepy. Don't not talk to a girl here but then Facebook her. Don't ask a girl out on a date via Facebook. Don't ask a girl on a date via text message. Don't try to get her number from somebody else that's here. Like, be cool. Like, what's attractive to a girl is a confident guy. And if you're confident and you go up to a girl, Hey, nice to meet you. Like, what do you like to do for fun? Like, you know, whatever. Whatever you do. But, like, you know. Flex. No. Don't flex. But, like, be cool. Because that's how you get to know someone. That's how you even figure out if there's chemistry, you know. And... Girls are totally not into Facebook stalking, being asked on a date via text message or Facebook. Like, it's not a turn-on at all. And, again, girls like confident men. And so if you're kind of nervous that you might be creepy and not know it, ask Ask. another girl. (laughs) Someone will tell you. And someone will tell you. I could give you some girls as a reference that would totally tell you if you're creepy or not.
2: And ladies, Um. like... You owe it to the guy if they're being creepy. Tell them, like you know, you will help. You it, it will hurt to like say that, but you actually will be helping them. Can I get an amen? Like, like just say, like, dude, great effort. Ten on effort, zero on execution. You know, like you like, here's what you could have done better. I'm not interested because it's my choice. You know, I'm not going to choose you. God bless you, but here's what you could do better. Like, you know, those things like help.
3: We're a community where we're all trying to grow, right? And we're all trying to get whole, and we all want to be really healthy people, and we want to be a safe community. And so we can honestly use this community as a place to, like, learn, like, where we need to grow, because we all need to grow. Absolutely nobody is perfect at all in this room. We all have areas that we are learning and growing in. And for some of us, it might be just how to talk to somebody of the opposite sex. And maybe we've never learned. Maybe we've never had a good example. Maybe we've never seen it before. But this could be an area where we learn how to do that. And, you know, sometimes being a confident guy and asking her out, sometimes you will get shut down. That's totally okay because someone's going to say yes at some point. And I promise. And that's just something I want to encourage all of you in because I'm rooting for you. I'm all about, like, love and marriage. I love it. And I'm rooting for everybody here. And I just want to see everybody here in, like, really healthy, thriving relationships. And nothing breaks my heart more than seeing people kind of spiral downhill and start dating someone, and that dating relationship takes plummets them both down. And I think it's tragic, because that's not what God wants for us.
2: And don't make your objective in meeting someone or talking to somebody the romantic side, either. You know, like, if we all are pursuing God— like, you have a million things you could talk about, (laughs) you know, and you could discern their heart and what they are about. You could discern, like, you know, would this even, is their character a type that I would want to sign my life up to for the rest of my life? You can have many conversations that never are like, so, you know, how many kids do you want to have? You know, like, yeah, you don't want to do that. So, no more creepiness. Um, And then there's some great dating couples in here, Sean and Mandy and Tracy and Brandon, Eugene and Angela, yeah. and we got some married couples in here, and I mean, like, those people, if you're like, man, I need, like, I need some help, you know? Like, ask any of them. They'll help. Yeah. So, I think the phone's broken, so sorry about if we have text messages, it's late. We're gonna end in worship real quick, just a you quick can Facebook song. Facebook it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much for my little new thing. I got this, like, at six thirty, so maybe it's not even activated. So sorry about if uh, you guys sent something in. We'll do um, that again. I know. Wah, wah. So um, are you guys cool with that? Or was that kind of helpful a little bit? <laughs> and it's a million degrees in here, so um, hopefully you guys are in okay. But why don't we all stand? We're just going to worship. And let me just pray for you guys real quick before we go into worship, and we'll close it out. Uh, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, God, your promises over us that you have a plan, a hope, and a future, and you're it. Lord, we thank you that, that you have called us first to be satisfied in Jesus. Lord, we pray that we would really come to fullness of understanding of that. And God, we just pray for those who do want to be in a relationship. And, and God, we pray that you would show us the power of our decisions. Lord, help us to get free. Help us to be in right relationships. Help us to get out of wrong relationships. God, we ask that you'd be our comforter, our counselor, our guider. Lord, we just uh, thank you for that. We love you tonight, and we worship you.